off top, some species of migratory birds go to sleep on one half of their brain while the other half navigates for them. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. Joined by my buddy, co-host and producer, Charlie Alabaster Kravitz. No, no, no. Charlie Vanilla Baby Kravitz is in the building. So, are eagles migratory birds? Because they definitely had a sleepy brain tonight. Or not tonight, for the last month and a half. Because it was just atrocious. Both sides of their brain fell asleep. (laughs) So, they weren't migrating anywhere but to Cancun. Yeah, um, we'll get to the Eagles eventually, yeah. but I think we'll start with the Bills-Steelers game. What you got for me, Charlie? What do you want to know? So, I mean, look, we're taping this right after the Eagles game, and we should be tired. We've been working back-to-back nights, but watching that pathetic Eagles loss has given me energy. It has given me life. And you know what else <laughs> has given me life? The fact that we're about to get the Bills versus the Chiefs next week. Oh. We've waited. We've really oh. waited like three years for this since the 13-second game. Um so here's the situation. The Bills beat the Steelers to set up this tantalizing matchup. And they, be- built, they beat them in a really interesting way. Josh Allen's fantastic. Um, the Bills have been one of the hottest teams in the NFL over the last month and a half. The Bills have figured out in certain ways how to run the ball with James Cook and Josh yeah. Allen. And their defense, despite the injuries, has played a lot better. This will be Patrick Mahomes' first career playoff road game. Your initial thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, so it's exciting. You already got through all the exciting parts. I think the big question to me, I mean, no, I I appreciate the way that you set it up. Like, I I didn't want to retread that ground, but the first thing that comes to mind is Bills versus Chiefs is Mahomes versus Allen. However, mm-hmm. we're not getting quite that because we're the best version of Allen, and uh, he was great in this game, but this was the game that we have been hoping to see from them, and we've seen mm-hmm. more this season where it's not asking so much of Josh Allen. So, like, Shakir had that incredible play where he created a touchdown where that wasn't one. James Cook was creating rushing yards in the offensive line, was running the ball, wasn't all dependent on Josh Allen. Although Josh Allen had some incredible plays, uh, Stephon Diggs was doing some things. That the tight ends were getting open, and the defense played great. Like, this is the formula that makes them a Super Bowl contending team. This is why they changed so many things from defensive coordinator to offensive coordinator this season, and we saw it. But it's not that version where Josh Allen was going out there and slinging the ball over the field. And, of course, we go to the other side. It's absolutely not the same version of the Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes where we're going to get a shootout. We might still end up with one, but I do not anticipate it. So it's a little like it dampens the excitement of this matchup slightly. However, I still think it's going to be close. And we're going to come down to the end of the game where one or both of these teams is going to have, or one of both of these quarterbacks is going to have to drive down the field to try to put the other away. And that is like my first response to this is I know we're going to get one of those moments from one of them. And that's great. Yeah. I mean, this is ironically, we're going to be asking Patrick Mahomes to do the hero ball that we want Josh Allen's not, not to do because of the roster. Um, I mean, Josh Allen was super controlled, but the, when you, when you're Josh Allen, you have a 53 yard touchdown run where you fake slide and then accelerate past defensive backs. That's your controlled game. Yeah. <laughs> you throw a couple of lasers. Um, the offense, I, 
one of the things that's really interesting to me about the Bills offense, a lot's been made about the running game. The fact that they figured something out with James Cook and it's it's wax and wane depending on the week, but they figured it out in this playoff game. Um, but to me, it's Dalton Kincaid. And I bring up that because we have been searching for the Bills to have a second receiver since Gabe Davis's emergence in the 13 second game a few years ago. And it was never actually Gabe Davis. And it seems like it's Dalton Kincaid. Does that sort of change the ceiling of what you think that the Bills offense can be? The ceiling of what the Bills offense can be. I, I don't think Dalton Kincaid changed the ceiling of what the Bills offense can be. The ceiling for the Bills offense is Josh Allen. Like, yeah, what he's capable <laughs> of doing. Right. Yeah. So, like, Dal- adding Dalton Kincaid uh, doesn't quite change the expectations of this offense. Now, maybe you could add another top-tier receiver, and maybe I would change my opinion. But right now, the ceiling of this offense is about as high as any offense in football because Josh Allen has the capability of taking over Mm -hmm. a game. But that offense against this uh, KC defense is going to be interesting because the defense is going to have to play well for Kansas City. They have played well, but they're going to have to play well because there is no chance. And even though the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, their offense did not look good. No. Like they got off to an early lead and then couldn't do anything else for the rest of the game. So I know that we all know Patrick Mahomes can do amazing things, but this defense, uh, the Bills defense is playing well, but he's not going to be able to go score for score with uh, with the Bills or with Josh Allen if that defense can't create some stops, create some turnovers, and keep the game close. Do you think they should blitz Josh Allen? I was looking at, I was looking at some numbers that were posted, I think, by The Athletic where – essentially Josh Allen has eviscerated the bit, the blitz against everyone except for Steve Spagnuolo, who's actually held him in check in a bunch of matchups. Um, but obviously the sample size is small and he's someone, even in this game when he was blitz, like he's impossible to, to bring down. And then it just becomes like a schoolyard play. Yeah. It's funny because they're both really, those quarterbacks are both really good at the, when you blitz them for different reasons. And Josh Allen is really good when you blitz them because you can't bring them down. And then you're at a disadvantage because essentially you're putting pressure, which is putting you're sending pressure, which is putting pressure on your coverage players without actually <laughs> impacting the quarterback in any way because he'll shrug you off and run or or um, escape. But Patrick Mahomes is slightly different where he'll move and buy time a lot like what we saw with Jordan Love recently, buy time, move around and find someone else to make a big play. Yeah, I don't want to oversimplify it. What, should you blitz him? Yes. And if Spagnola's had uh, experience doing it, yes. But when you have a player like that, you do it till it doesn't work anymore, and then you get off it because there is no one formula to stop uh, Josh Allen. He has all the tools, the arm strength, the accuracy, the athleticism, uh, and the weapons, if you're including Kincaid and uh, James Cook, to make you pay mm. for anything. So Spagnola ran some really interesting coverages in the last game, which were like, some rotations that you rarely see that go from disguise to disguise to another coverage, which I think is, yeah, that is the formula to make him think, to make him slow down uh, and to make him rely less on other people and more on himself and his arm strength and, and forcing in situations where you might get a turnover. What do you think of Diggs in this game? I liked it. Like it's, he's been uninvolved in the offense. Uh, Kind of since we mid-season-ish, she's has been relatively uninvolved in the offense. They found ways. They forced it to him. They found ways to get him the ball. It wasn't – there was like a lot of little dink and dunks 
but Diggs is the receiver that's going to uh, attract a bunch of attention. So finding a way to get him to forcefully get him involved, I thought was good. Um, and he's always a threat to break a big play, even if you get it to him short. But there was it was nice to see him back involved in offense. Nice to see him and Josh Allen connecting again, because it has not it, it, it seemed like he's been an afterthought in the offense uh, since mm-hmm. they made the switch to Joe Brady. I, yeah, I can't remember his last like really, really big game. I know he had 87 yards in week 18 or week 17 against the Dolphins whenever they played, but it doesn't seem like he's been a dominant receiver. Um, I do want to ask you about the Steelers side of this because a lot's been made of whether or not Mike Tomlin will move on, whether or not Steelers will move on, which is like, you know, he wins nine games at least every single year. And he was asked about it on the podium after the game. And when they asked, he just walked off. Um, Do you think that relationship from its course? So these questions are tough because when we talk about coaches, whether they should get kept or fired, we normally talk about on-field results. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're asking if the relationship has run its course. And so the on-field results compared to the expectations, I think it's hard to make an argument that Mike Tomlin should go. The performance on the field today was like better than I expected. It wasn't like quitting. It didn't feel like the message was gone. The George Pickens situation throughout the season, I think, is an argument for Mike Tomlin's uh, still having the respect of the locker room. And I mean, not respect the wrong word because he's not going to lose that, but still feeling like his message has not been lost. But I think there's, it's fair to be disappointed that they haven't made a playoff run in, I don't know, five, six, seven years. They haven't won a playoff game in seven years. Yeah, so that's that's a fair criticism. But when you look at those playoff games, feel like they should have even been in the playoffs for a lot of them. Yeah. So it's hard to blame that on Mike Tomlin. I know you say about his uh, coordinator selection, allowing the offense <laughs> to continue to be stagnant. Um, and he's not the decision maker when it comes to roster stuff. But it, it's really hard when you're not in there. You're not in the locker room to suggest that. And we're not seeing the... Uh, we're not seeing it expressed on the field. Like we're not seeing guys look yeah. like they quit and guys looking unprepared and look like they but don't we'll care. And not a different team. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, you, I, <laughs> as we're talking about this, I am picturing that other team the whole time we're talking about this. So I actually, I didn't think of it necessarily with the relationship having run his course from like the Steelers a hundred percent being like, we want to fire Mike Tomlin. Like he's clearly an excellent football coach. Yeah. No matter what the roster is, he can get them winning record seemingly every single year. Um, like, Okay, we're going to look. We've been talking about the AFC playoff picture, and like the final four is CJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen, with the exception of Joe Burrow. It's like the four best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, and Tomlin's winning nine or 10 games with Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett and whoever under center. So, like, they, like he's, he's not been dealt the roster necessarily, but he's such a good coach that he's almost put himself into like this purgatory of like, yeah. you can't win, but you're not bad enough to reload. And so there is the aspect of like who should want to move on more, who should want to clean slate more, Mike Tomlin or Steelers, because he's going to be an invoke coach anywhere. Yeah, there was talk about Mike Tomlin wanting to take a year off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody gives any credence to the Steelers actually firing Mike Tomlin. I don't think that's a realistic conversation. If right. this was a, a a year, the available coaching market is going to be flooded if Mike Tomlin throws his hat in the ring, but I assume that if he leaves, he would take a year off mm-hmm. um, because that's something that he wanted to do. 
not because it's something that uh, the team wants him to do. Um, and he wouldn't be in this year's coaching cycle, and he'd be very coveted going forward. So it, while he hasn't had the same success as Bill Belichick, he strikes me as the same type if he was to move on. As no one's thinking he's a bad coach, but eh, sometimes you just need a change. But Bill Belichick has had poor results, so it's it's really unusual to have a guy like Mike Tomlin who's overachieved, I think, for much of his career, especially in the recent years, but still hasn't achieved enough, I think, to avoid having the questions. Yeah. I think a huge part of this is that he's stuck in the situation where he's going to be very good and he's going to play against Burrow and uh, Allen every single year. And those guys like... Burrow and Jackson. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Look at that. Look at this uh, this society. I just confused Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Um Uh Look at it. No, I mean, like, those guys. <laughs> uh, good job not making the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these. Uh, I mean, those guys. No matter how good of a coach he is, are going to kick his ass every single year, and that yeah. makes it a, a stickier situation. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, I. I don't see him getting fired. I didn't say anything. I just made a bunch of noises. Uh, I could see him taking a break, and that's completely fine. I'm not sure that the Steelers fans who are talking about wanting to get rid of him. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure they're going to be happy about the results if they do. It's just crazy to never have a losing season. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, and, and to do it with, like, the, the dregs of, of Big Ben when he was, like, a just covered in ice packs and then the, what they've had since, it's wild. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom. On Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, let's move on to something I'm really excited about. And that is the disgusting, uh, the pathetic. I mean, this, they're, like they're vomitous. The Eagles and how they lost to the Bucks. Um, they, they are allergic to tackling. Yeah. Um, their offense was anemic. They even got stuffed on a tush push for a two point conversion. That's that's as low as it gets. Um, 
How appalled are you by the Eagles' performance and how they finished the season? It's hard to be fully appalled because we all saw it. Like, we expected it. No one was surprised by this because this is the way that they've been playing for the last several weeks. It's embarrassing. The Some people, like, convinced themselves that maybe they would, like, hit some switch or their playoff moxie would show up. But, no, they're, they're a bad football team, and they have been for the past month. And it showed up. The tackling was Plus an issue. They're, they're, they seem poorly coached. The thing that jumps out to me um, through the course of this game was offensively, they ain't have no answers for the blitz for the past month. They went to see Todd Bowles, who not only likes the blitz, but last time I checked, down in Tampa, they got access to film too. So you had to come into this game anticipating a blitz and the only answer they had was some funky wide receiver screens then the fake wide receiver screen with the deep pass those were their blitz answers that was it it was ugly and unacceptable and so disappointing and julio jones is never i mean unless we got a time machine he's not the answer and i felt i end up feeling bad for Devonte smith because it's like they're trying to put it on you, and they're not really setting you up to to win. So they're doing these stop routes against man coverage, which I guess they're not bad, but, like, let him get open. Let him do something. Put him in the slot and let him go man up against the safety when they blitz the nickel and, and let him do an option route or something. Like, it just felt like they were once again surprised by the blitz and – I don't know. I, I guess I'll rewatch the game tomorrow at some point from the four, from the full coaches copy, but I was clicking into the dots and the next gen stats throughout the course of the game. And because I wasn't sure, I felt bad saying like the offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson still hasn't given him answers. Maybe he's given him some answers and Jalen is not using him, but most of the time, I just looked at the at the dots. It was like, oh, I don't really know what you expect Jalen to do right now mm-hmm. in this situation, and that sucks. I have a lot of a lot of questions. First one: so You were more disappointed with the offense than the defense? No, 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 no. I just felt like there was nothing to say about the defense after you brought up the tackling, like. That was the major issue with the defense. Like, they can't tackle. There's no analysis. I, I mean, we got to go back to Pop Warner and teach him how to wrap up. But these are like – this is so – this is what's crazy to me. These are like big names who can't tackle. Like, big name, famous football players. Like, not – this is not – this is not the Washington Commanders out there with, like, eight guys who shouldn't be on NFL rosters not being able to tackle in, the, in this. Like, this is – Byron and Bradbury and the defensive line. We were like, oh, they just drafted the Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to be awesome. And you have Baker Mayfield running for first downs and doing this thing. And it's like, <laughs> that is the, the, like the wipe your mustache thingy. Like that, that's, you, they got oh, Baker's man. bravado back. All right. I'm going to have you Google after this and figure out what that actually means. It's not about wiping your mustache, but, uh, or I'll explain it to you at a, at a later date, but um, yeah, they can't tackle. And that's a problem. Like, I don't know what analysis you need. Uh, as okay. bad as Matt Patricia is over the course of his career, I can't blame him when nobody wants to tackle. It was like eight or nine of them. And again, I don't care how big these names are. They've been doing it for a month, Charles. 
a month. Well, so, so who's the who's the fall guy? Let's go through some fall guys. Because, uh, yep. You want to work your way up, or you want to start at the top? Let, let's let, let's start at the at the absolute bottom. Matt right. Patricia, should okay. he ever coach in the NFL again in any capacity? <laughs> Maybe he's a really good position coach. Uh. I don't know, but the coordinator stuff, like maybe he need a little break from it. And so putting this on his resume as a coordinator feels a little unfair, but the rest of his resume is pretty bad because they were before he got on. The fact that they got worse when he joined is, I mean, I guess a little bit of a problem, but this feels unfair to put it on his resume. So do you fire both coordinators? Uh, or I guess they have three coordinators. I guess if Desai, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Patricia and Brian Johnson. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should have started at the top because you don't need to fire both coordinators if you got to move on get from, there. from Nick Sirianni. <laughs> like, I feel bad for Brian Johnson in part because this offense is the same as it was last year, and maybe he should have done something different uh, mm -hmm. at this point in the season. But they're running a lot of the same plays that worked last year. And he didn't ha – and they, they didn't have these answers last year. And they seem to – be comfortable with not – you've heard me say a bunch of times when teams blitz you, you need to make them pay for it. Like just mm -hmm. getting five yards against the blitz, like, okay, you won that down, but that's not going to stop them from blitzing you. You need to go up top. And they had A.J. Brown last year, and that's what that was their blitz solution. It wasn't Reed. It was jump ball to A.J., and he was often covered, and he'd go up and catch it. That's not – a strategy to be like, okay, it works sometimes, but it didn't work today and it hasn't worked this season. So I feel bad about Brian Johnson, but I want to look at, I want to point at something that he did well and it's hard to find it. It's hard to find it, man. It's hard. So, so we're cleaning house. Nick Sirianni, what's he, what's, who's he motivating? I would say that normally when we start like speculating about a team needing to move on and move on from a coach, it's based on the on-field results because we're not in the building and we don't know exactly the impact that they have. Right? Yeah. No, yeah, no. But I know where you're going with this because it's a unique situation with Nick. Yeah. And if we're going to base it only on the on-field results, I think a playoff season and a disappointing exit after a Super Bowl run is not enough for results-based move on. Mm -hmm. However, was last year the fluke or was this year the fluke? Because if you want to give him credit for what happened, I guess you can't both give him credit for what happened last year and then blame him for what happened this year because these two teams are don't resemble each other in any way. Well, so I don't know what he's responsible for. Like, that's the thing. It's like, if he's not the offensive coordinator, he's not the defensive coordinator, the team doesn't seem motivated. They don't seem organized. They don't seem prepared. They don't seem well coached. I don't know what to blame him for or what to give him credit for. Well, first of all, they fired Doug Peterson two years after he won the Super Bowl. Right. Um, same organization. And yeah. the thing that I was going to go to, because this is, if you scroll back through our podcast feed, I don't know the exact time. But we had like a joking back and forth about players quitting and players being dogless and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I, I hate this. I hate this. But if you watch that team, it looked like the team quit on Sirianni. No. Yes. No. 
It, it didn't look like they quit. It just looked like they stink. Like, they were missing tackles. They weren't turning down tackles. Like they, they have so much talent, and they were just playing, like, listless football down the stretch. It did not look like they were, like, this did not look like a give team. This was not Hungry Dogs Run Fast, Eagles, yeah. from, from four years ago when they won the Super Bowl. I think it's possible that they move on from Sirianni in part because it feels like they think about their head coach differently than a lot of other teams do. This mm-hmm. does not feel like a head coach driven organization or even a head coach GM partnership. This feels very baseball-y the way that this org- organization is run. So if you need to replace the manager, that's fine. The tough thing about doing something like this is it's a major shakeup and you are, you are destabilizing your organization even further. Maybe whatever you bring in afterwards is a stabilizing force, but you are shaking it up. And sometimes stability, even in, or particularly in a time of crisis, stability is what you need. So, like, it's hard to, like I said, the results aren't bad enough for me to say it's yeah. time to move, to move on based on the goodwill he brought from last year. But if you're in that building and you, you recognize, know. like, and that's the thing to me, is I'm not going to be like, the same way we all jumped on the table for Ken Dorsey. It's like, what are they doing? They're firing Ken Dorsey. Look at all these numbers. I learned my lesson, and I'm definitely not doing that for Sirianni. If they do it, they know something I don't know, and I'm going to congratulate them on having the, the heart to make this decision. I uh, I never took a victory lap on that. I was pro fire Ken Dorsey, and yeah. everyone, everyone yeah. took, took, a, took a little crap on me for that one at the time. Congratulations, um, a victory lap. You. I mean, I don't, I don't get many. Um, so a couple of, couple more follow-ups. Do you think Jalen Hurts was healthy? He didn't seem anywhere close to it. No. I mean, his, his knee's been hurt all year. His finger obviously was, uh, or t- both of his fingers were taped up. Um, he, he wasn't healthy, but I mean, who is at this point yeah. in the season? So then from that, it's like assuming that Jalen Hurts will be back to close to himself, not like this is a team that was 10 and one before they fell apart down the stretch. What in theory is the more appealing job for you? The Eagles or the Cowboys? Whew. Whew. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it depends on who you are. The uh, the Cowboys comes with the uh, yeah I think I got to go with the Eagles. You know who it is. You yeah. know who we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Bill Belichick. I don't, yeah I don't know. I think you got to go with the Eagles though. I, I mean dealing with the it would seem to me that one of the things that Bill Belichick cares a tremendous amount about is controlling his locker room and being. I don't know that he cares as much about. Um, controlling personnel decisions. Like, I think he might be comfortable with uh, mm-hmm. someone else making those decisions. And Howie Roseman has proven that he's someone who can do that well. And, I mean, even Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones have proven that they can bring in good personnel. So that's not the issue. To me, why, if I was Bill Belichick, I picked the Eagles, is because Bill Belichick has a top-down style of management, and he ain't at the top there. And there's yeah. nothing that Jerry Jones can do to remove himself from the top. He can go be quiet somewhere, but people still going to be looking at Jerry Jones for some organization or some direction for his organization. And that's a tougher thing. And maybe Bill Belichick has a way to work around that. 
But that's the thing that I think he would have a harder time dealing with than anything. Hmm. Hmm. It's a better fit Plus for, was, I don't know, uh, Vrabel or somebody. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, Vrabel's really interesting with the Eagles. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be great there. So, as a Commanders fan, okay. should should I be considering a little little sprinkle, a little wager on the Commanders from worst to first in the NFCs next year? Oh, my gosh. I don't see why not. That's the... Uh, that's such an embarrassing division, but you guys got so far to go. I I I would save your sprinkle. <laughs> I'd save your little sprinkle for, for something else. Um last thing, we should we should mention that the Bucks also play football. We talked about everyone oh, except for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um had a great defensive plan. I loved it. Yeah. They they had uh I mean, this is a little bit of inside football stuff that it relates to the Cowboys in that the Bucks wanted to stop the Eagles run and they had like a big base personnel mm-hmm. grouping early in the game where it's just a safety, two corners, then four linebackers and four D linemen. And they're like, look, we're going to make you guys uh, have to do something other than run because that's all that the Eagles do consistently well. It was interesting to see that as we were looking at Dan Quinn and the Cowboys the day before, not knowing what to do about this Packers running attack. You give them fun story, you give them a chance to beat the Lions. Fun story. Fun story. Fun story. Fun story, fun story. Um, Aaron Glenn, on the list of coaches that people look at, given D'Amico Ryan's success recently, defensive coaches deserve love, too. I guess Vrabel falls in that category and Belichick falls in that category. But Ben Johnson, everyone's favorite, uh, and young Bobby Slowick another front runner i mean mm-hmm. a lot of the best coaches in football are defensive coaches and special teams coaches never forget it um yeah i don't give them a chance i mean they got mm. a chance but i don't i don't see them stopping the lions i think the big question is tristan Wirfs versus um versus aiden hutchinson uh how that that pans out i think changes things but the team that's going to beat the Lions is going to have to have a quarterback that uh, I trust a little more than Baker Mayfield, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think it's Brock Purdy. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. No, no, I was, I was dead serious. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Um, no, so the thing that I find interesting about that game, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Tristan Wirfs can jump out of a swimming pool. I heard oh, yeah. that about five times tonight. Um, <laughs> it is pretty impressive. It's unbelievable. But yeah. Um, the thing that I find interesting about that game is when you look at the Lions' weakness, whether it's because of the lack of pass rush or not, one of the weaknesses on that team is is pass defense, and he they're going to go, yeah, and they're going to go against a team that has Evans and Godwin and Baker shucking up to him. And this game could have looked even worse for the Eagles if Evans had caught those two touchdown passes, yeah. and like he is a consistent big play machine. So is there any world where you see this game becoming sort of a shootout because those guys are just going off against the Lions? Yeah, it could certainly become a shootout. Uh, We saw the makings of that in the Rams game with a quarterback that I think is better than Baker Mayfield and Matthew Stafford. Um, It's going to be hard to create. uh, I was going to say it's going to be hard to create, to recreate that number of big plays because it felt like the Rams were just doing big play after big play. But against the Lions defense, that is kind of what they've given up all season long. Uh, And I think that's what it comes down to, to me, is the quarterback. If 
if Matt Stafford couldn't do it, I have a hard time imagining that Baker Mayfield is going to do it, which probably, I was going to say isn't fair, but yeah, it's fair. Matt Stafford's better than Baker Mayfield. And uh, that receiving core that the, that the um, Rams have, I think it's better than Evans and Godwin and, um, yeah, than a really fast guy who ran away from people. Worth noting, the Lions did beat Tampa 20 to 6 in week six. That's probably true. But the last question is yeah. okay, that's, that's the fun outcome for this. The fun outcome is this becomes a shootout. The least fun outcome is like we talked about the AFC. We were like, oh my God, we're about to see Stroud play Lamar Jackson. We're going to see, we're going to see Allen play Mahomes. <laughs> is there a chance we're going to be looking up next weekend and, and Goff and Baker were just like, holy shit, how is this the second round of the playoffs? How are we watching this? Uh, well, I mean, both of them have not done much of that embarrassing stuff so far this season. So I'm going to say there is limited chance. They're both going to show up and play uh, pretty well. I guess the, the um, Bucks defense is a stiffer challenge for the, um, for the Lions than the Lions defense is for the Bucks offense. So I, I might be getting ahead of myself and oversimplifying the analysis later in the week when we actually make our official picks. Maybe I'll feel differently. We don't actually do official picks, but I'll feel differently once I prepare for this game and we start our divisional round official picks, the inaugural season of official picks. Hmm. But because um, as I talk myself through this, I feel less confident about what I said about the Lions than uh, as I get closer because, yeah, we're going to get a Jared Goff chest pass at some point in the, in, in the proceedings, which is uh, a bit concerning. But, yeah, this neither of these teams are perfect. They both have – uh, major flaws that can be exploited and kind of match up well for either side. He went full, he went full Jason Kidd on that backwards bounce pass. Um, <laughs> I was going to say John Stockton, but yeah. we don't talk about that anymore. Nah, he blew it for us. <laughs> um, all right. More football. I'm, I'm sort of footballed out right now. I, I'm good for a couple days off of football. Uh, dive back in. I can't take it. I need more football. I've already been like 30 minutes without watching a snap. I need more. Can't get enough. Time to grind some all 22. Before, never before too much. Thursday never night. too much. Uh, I need to go to sleep is what I need to do because I'm about to be up in four hours. Back at it. Hollering at Greeny about the takes coming in. Can't wait for our two more hours of Cowboys talk tomorrow morning. See y'all on Get Up. Thanks, Charlie, for staying up with me. Um, and I appreciate all the great producers, Megan, Serafina, uh, Brian, Kevin, um, yeah, Cortez. and also never forget bleep Pablo Torre. That's right. We out loser. This is the Dominique Foxworth show.